This is Jack Scallions. Join me for a few moments from my heart to yours. In a very real way, I do not remember when I grew old. I simply awoke one morning, looked in the mirror, and I was there. It's not like I don't recognize that man in the mirror. I know him quite well. It's just that when I examine what's on the outside of him, it doesn't seem to quite match up with what's on the inside of him. I grew old in a generation that has experienced monumental changes. I was born before penicillin and plastic and credit cards, ballpoint pens and air conditioning and dishwashers, and before a man walked on the moon. I recall the day a school bus carried a group of students, me being one of them, from a little four-room schoolhouse to Brownsville, Tennessee, about 30 miles, to receive a new drug that literally wiped polio away. At the risk of being morbid, I do understand the process that you will grow old if you live long enough. George Bernard Shaw once said the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of every one people will die. The statistics haven't changed in our enlightened generation. The entire world is a hospital and everyone in it is a terminal case. It's been my privilege in the past and still is to be surrounded by those in the autumn of their lives. Some of the greatest servants I have ever known have never retired from ministry, but remain faithful and committed in service to the Savior. I recently read a letter from an anonymous correspondent entitled, What It Is Like to Become Old or to Be Old. Everything is farther away, he said, than it used to be. It's twice as far to the corner, and they added a hill. It seems that they're making steps steeper, and newspapers uh, have much smaller print. There's no sense in asking anyone to read aloud anymore, as everyone speaks in such a low voice I can hardly hear them. Even people are changing. They seem so much younger than they were. Actually, I ran into an old classmate the other day, and she was so aged that she didn't even recognize me. I was thinking about her when I glanced at my own reflection. Really now, they don't even make good mirrors like they used to. We make jokes about old age, the time when it takes longer to rest than it did to get tired, when the pharmacist knows us personally, and it takes twice as long to look half as good. I am persuaded that those with experience and wisdom have a great responsibility and opportunity to lead. I'm just as persuaded that we are to look to those with respect and admiration. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. The word entreat carries the idea of calling someone alongside of you to help you. In our culture, Retirement has become a goal for many to withdraw from every responsibility, including Christian service. Retirement in our service to Christ should never, ever happen. The sad note is that every great band of wisdom is taken off the market. We desperately need giants of character to walk along beside us and be our guide in uncharted waters. Perhaps I had to grow old before realizing that many who follow us waste a valuable resource. New beginnings succeed like new plants when roots are nurtured deep in the soil of past accomplishments. In no way do I suggest that antiquity always produces wisdom. Some grow old without leaving a trail for anyone to follow. On the other hand, 
we all know a few pioneers, trailblazers with the snow of winter in their hair, who emulate to us the embodiment of some, maybe not all, but some of the rich gems that make life sparkle. It's to our advantage to seek them out and to spend time with them, to ask a few well-chosen questions and then just sit back and listen. My dad was 91 when he went to heaven. As the youngest sibling, I knew my dad for 51 years. His honesty, integrity, and work ethic seeped into my soul. To this day, I remember being in awe of him and feeling safe in his presence. I never called him by his first name. There are numerous reasons those who are farther down the trail should be guiding the youth who follow us today. It's a bit of foolishness to assume the youth should be thrust into leadership positions simply because they're young. Truly, we missed the mark by not mentoring our youth. As a young preacher, I knew many giants of the faith who pioneered the work of the ministry, and I relished the time that I was allowed to be in their presence and listen to them talk. The point is, what will you do the rest of the way? Colonel Sanders started his fried chicken business after he was 60 years old. Oliver Wendell Holmes began a study of Greek when he was 94. When asked by someone why he would undertake the study of such a difficult language, he replied, If I don't do it now, I may never get to it. Dr. John R. Rice, a hero of mine, held evangelistic meetings well into his 80s. Dr. Lee Robertson, whom I've mentioned many, many times, preached at our church and at other churches across the nation in his mid-90s. I met Tom Wallace in 1966 when, as a young pastor, he came to Memphis to speak at the Mountain Terrace Baptist Church. Now Dr. Wallace is in his late 80s and consistently fulfills his goal of giving the gospel to someone every single day of his life. In our church, a number of seasoned saints serve without pay. Each decided to use their days for the Lord's work. Men retired from regular occupations, man sound rooms, and take care of the lawns and work the bus ministries. The beautiful grounds of Camp Fairview are the project of a rare retired couple giving their time in service to the Savior. A week does not go by that many of our senior saints are not visiting prospects and working around the church. Actually, there's no place to retire from serving Christ. There are classes to teach and tasks to do and works to accomplish and people to reach. The most accomplished individual for the task is usually that seasoned veteran who's been in the traces for many, many years. Many senior citizens are in a position to contribute generously in time and talent and, yes, even treasure. The church needs laborers. Young people need godly examples of tenacious service. Teach a class. If there's not one available, then start one. Make home and hospital and nursing home visits and sing in the choir and get involved in a community project. Develop a prayer ministry. But the main point is fill your days with others in mind. The Apostle Paul made clear the importance of staying in the game when he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He rebuked the Galatian believers with this statement. You did run well. Who did hinder you? Jesus, the Bible says, is the author and finisher of our faith. Daniel, the prophet of Babylon, stood firm through three dynasties. Historians believe him to be in his mid-80s 
when he was cast into the lion's den. How blessed we are to be in the company of saints who are consistent in their service to the Savior for a lifetime. They deserve our admiration. We do well to follow the example as they travel the rest of the way. Thank you for listening today. Remember, this has been Jack Scallions. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a few moments from my heart to yours. Mm-hmm.